Our first scripture reading of the morning is from the New <laughs> Testament, words from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Paul writes, for as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading of the morning is also from the New Testament, also words from the Apostle Paul. This time it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Very short passage, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, pastor author Rick Warren helps us identify that our service depends upon our shape. What is shape? It's actually an acronym, and it stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, abilities, personality, and experience. That spells shape. And as my sermon title asks this morning, what is your shape? Well, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12:4, which you heard me read earlier, having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, let's use them. In other words, our shape is to serve God. God didn't make you pretty because he loved you best, but those gifts are to be used in service to him. I think that a lot of people have the wrong idea when it comes to talking about our spiritual gifts. Back when I was in seminary, I was able to do my field education work as a youth director at the Willow Grove Presbyterian Church in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And I will never forget the first time I ever got to preach from the pulpit. I was so, so nervous. But after it was over, I thought that it had gone pretty well. And as I was greeting people coming out of the church, like we do here, one lady approached me, and this was a lady whose job in the church was to be an encourager of young ministers in training. And oh, we thank the Lord for those kinds of people in the church. But she came up to me and she said, John, you are so gifted. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't need to tell you that I said, oh, shucks, and turned the many colors of the rainbow. And they said, no, no, don't misunderstand me. I didn't say you have any talent. <laughs> I said, you have been gifted for the ministry of preaching. Paul says, having gifts. It all began with the incarnation of Jesus. We've all heard that word incarnation. That's that fancy word for Christmas. And the word incarnation has the same Latin root as the Spanish word carne, meaning flesh. 
So a kind of down-home country way of saying things might be to suggest that Jesus was concarnate, God in flesh. Jesus took on flesh and walked this earth, not for his own good, but for ours, for our sin, for our salvation, completely for our sake. And just as Jesus gave himself for others, he calls us to give ourselves to others too. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Instead, I think what happens is we have this in our minds, a value ladder in which success in the world is way up here and service to others is way down here. And our thinking goes along the lines of, well, you know, life has just kind of worked itself out that I would be one of these people up here. And I know that servanthood is important. And I know it's good to celebrate those who roll up their sleeves and get down into the trenches. But if you think about it, I'm way too valuable to be used in those mundane tasks. Why, that would be like using a Maserati to deliver the mail. There's no way that God wants someone as gifted and as special as me to waste my unique qualities in a life of lowly servanthood. That's the thinking of many. Well, friends, God sent Jesus Christ into the world as a servant, not to disguise who God is, but to reveal a fundamental truth about himself. God is a humble God who uses humble people. So what would it be like for you to go through your day, the normal routine of your week, and, and what I call slip on a pair of Jesus glasses so that you see where you work, where you live, the loved ones in your family through the eyes of Jesus Christ. What would it look like to see all those people, all those hurts, all those needs as Jesus would see them? Mother Teresa was once asked, what is your biggest problem? And Mother Teresa replied, my biggest problem is professionalism. Women come to work with me amongst the poorest of the poor. Then I send them off to get a master's of social work or a nursing degree. When they return from their training, their first question is, where's my office? Then I send them off to the house of the dying. And after six months of holding the hands of dying people, they're ready to be servants again. Friends, I have good news for you today. Whether you believe it or not, God has gifted you for ministry in his church. Now, you may not go, be ready to go to Calcutta, India, and that's fine, but God has a place right here for you to serve and use your gifts. We believe in the church, we believe in this church, that every member is a minister. Now, pastors may be ministers with a capital M, but every one of you who has made a commitment to Jesus Christ is a minister with a lowercase m. So that when you say, I'm a member of Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church, you're not just saying, well, I'm, I'm on a list with a bunch of other people. No, you're saying, I am a vital part of a living, breathing organism. I serve an indispensable function within a large, complex body. And as much as it just galls me to have to say this, you're like the Jalen Hurts of the Presbyterian Church. 
when the star quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles injures his knee, his, his entire body feels the pain. But when the legs of Jalen Hurts successfully score a touchdown on that dreaded tush-push play that they do, his whole body celebrates. When one part celebrates, there is joy in the whole body. You know, post-pandemic, there are new challenges in the church. And that this body of Chestnut Level also faces. One of those are people who are unwilling to serve, unwilling to use their gifts, unwilling to volunteer. And, and you know, the reasons are varied. Some people are too busy or too tired or afraid or simply unaware of the needs here. Another reason why volunteerism is on decline in the church is because many people have the wrong impression that pastors are supposed to do all the work. And they figure, well, you know, he or she is the pro. They've got that degree from that fancy seminary they attended hanging on the wall. I mean, who am I to get in the way of all of that? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken on a responsibility in the church only to have it flop? I don't know for sure, but maybe you are someone sitting here who is once bitten and twice shy about ever taking on another responsibility in the church because of a rather painful experience. Well, I want to let you off the hook because chances are it wasn't your fault. Most likely a pastor did not do a very good job in preparing you for that work of ministry. Robert Schuler tells the story of the time that his family went to this uh, California dude ranch and on the way to the corral, they saw a sign and the sign said, for those who ride fast, we have fast horses. For those who ride slow, we have slow horses. For those who are big, we have big horses. And for those who are short, we have short horses. And for those who have never ridden on horses before, we have horses that have never been ridden before. Gosh. All too often, the church is like that California dude ranch. We take people who have never <coughs> ridden on horses before and we put them on horses that have never been ridden before. The ministry of the church lies with the people of God. It was certainly true for the 300 years before I arrived, and yes, it will be true 300 years long after I am gone. The Apostle Paul says, all of you have a ministry. All of you have gifts and gifts that differ. When couples get married, they usually get lots of wedding gifts. And unfortunately, those gifts don't always differ. In some cases, you might get eight sets of silverware. And that's not good news because you need a diversity of gifts. You need a variety of gifts to help set up your household, unless you're really into large dinner parties a lot of the time. Well, friends, you are an appliance that God has showered upon the household of Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. And no two are alike. We have a variety here. We have crock pots and curling irons and microwaves and all the appliances that you can imagine here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, you heard me say it, there are a variety of gifts, but it's the same spirit. So that when you go home today, all the appliances in your home are going to have one thing in common. There's going to be a cord with a plug at the end of it. 
it's the same power. So whether you teach children, or you usher, or you're a greeter, or you serve food on Wednesday nights, or you visit our shut-ins, it's the same power, it's the same spirit that courses through the veins of each and every one of us. Now, I'm willing to bet that some of you are thinking, well, John, a church this size doesn't need my help. Oh, nothing could be further from the truth. Just stop by here during the day, sometime during the week, and you will find a whole bunch of unmet needs in this church. So what we need here are people who are willing to jump up and say, I was shaped to serve Christ. You were made to make a contribution, not just to be a consumer. God made you to make a difference in the world. And what matters is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. The Bible says we were created to serve, we were saved to serve, we were gifted to serve, we were shaped to serve. We are commanded by God to serve God back. So in your bulletin, there is Chestnut Level Church's Time and Talent Forum. Look over all those ministries. Look over all the needs of those church. See where God might be calling you, where God has shaped you to serve. Our wonderful accompanist, Janet Breitmeyer, is going to play some music. We're going to ask you to fill those out right now in your seats for just a couple minutes. And then afterwards, you can just leave them in the pews, and we will pick them up after the service is over. Make sure you put your name on those and uh, your contact information. Like I said, leave, leave them in the pews and uh, hopefully someone will call you. But uh, if there's something that uh, tugs at your heart, uh, don't wait for an engraved invitation, but use those gifts that God has given you for his kingdom here at Chestnut Level. You know, you wouldn't think that collecting cans of silly string would be a person's mission in life, but it was for a New Jersey woman named Marcel Shriver who collected about 120,000 cans of silly string. Marcel Shriver's obsession with the foamy fluorescent party string did have a purpose. Back in 2006, her son Todd was stationed as a soldier in Iraq, and he asked his parents if they would send silly string. He explained to his parents that the soldiers in Iraq shoot that stringy substance, which goes about 10 to 12 feet, into rooms before they enter into them. Because if the room has been booby-trapped with potentially explosive trip wires, it's invisible to the eye, but if you shoot that silly string, into the air, the soldiers then can see it. So Marcel Shriver became this one woman silly string addict collecting some 40,000 cans of silly string and then sending them off to Iraq. And then when shipping regulations threatened to derail the whole project, she would not let anything get in her way. Instead, she found another company that was able to handle the hazards that go with shipping all those aerosol cans. And so 80,000 more cans were loaded for Iraq. And she said, I'm so happy now, right now, I'm just shaking. And then when she was asked about the frustrations along the way of trying to ship all that silly string, Marcel 
Shriver said that it was worth it, adding that if this saves one life, I'm happy. Well, friends, use your shape. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. Wherever God has called you, and experience the joy of serving him, even if it's one person at a time. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, it's really astonishing to think that you desire to use each of us to build up your body. We are thankful that you call not only pastors, but also ushers and greeters and teachers and youth leaders and volunteers to go out to serve others. You call some to write encouraging notes and drop them in the mail. You call others to cook casseroles and drop them off with families who need a helping hand. God, you call us to be intercessors in prayer moment by moment for one another. And yet, Lord, to be honest, to be fair, you know the obstacles inside each one of our hearts that keep us from investing ourselves fully and freely for you. For some of us, it might be a sense of inferiority or an intimidation of saying the wrong thing in the wrong way at the wrong time or a sense of fear. Maybe it's the coolness of our commitment to you. Maybe it's the half-heartedness of our souls. The feeling that we are working so hard for our own kingdom that we simply don't have the time for yours. Whatever it may be, O oh God, you know it completely. And as we live, and as we love, and as we serve, hold us in your hand as we hold each other in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.